yeah, it is valuable to talk about what's coming next for Twitter and for Elon Musk, but I think it's even more interesting to talk about why this happened. Link two elements to each other and they can ex exchange information in real time faster than the speed of light. It's alive. How belief in AI sentience is becoming a problem. Have I been scammed by NGL now? Do they have all of my data, my face, my, my payment? What do they have? They started working on this universal translation tool. Next one is Dan. That's the new way to shut me up, right? Hi, and welcome to episode 29 of the Tech Review. Every two weeks, we gather to discuss the hottest topics in science, technology, and innovation. And on camera five today, we have Chris. On camera four, we have Dan. On camera three, we have Vincent. On camera two, this is Alex. And on camera one, whoa, <laughs> this, this is me. <laughs> Wrong configuration, very nice. And of course, if you like what you see here, you can follow us directly on our web websites, engineering, Ideas Engineering IO and Freetech.academy, and of course, on our many social media websites. You can find the links down in the description or in the, or in the show notes, depending on if you're listening to us via podcast or watching us on YouTube. So, let's jump directly into the news and this was a weird with my camera as you can see i'm experimenting a lot with my camera and so sometimes it is uh not the way i left it uh, at the last live stream okay and the tool tells me that uh first article comes from dan something about sequoia trees <laughs> maybe <laughs> i think you're mute he's on mute all right. I hope you can hear me now. Yes, Sequoia is, is, is a capital firm and they do something I think was quite cool and maybe it's more fan service than an article because they say they're going to invest a million into your startup and help you making it successful. So like an incubator, they get people together, have very firm criteria and then try to, with their new project ARC, this is what they call it, uh, give you all the know-how, all the network you need to get your idea running into a real company and get the network, the people that help you to doing this. And um, since I'm studying and having always these chances to get in touch with people like this, I thought that is such an amazing opportunity for people who don't have this chance um, and don't have the network to get in touch with a company like Sequoia and and if the idea is good, really get it going into an own company and get started. And I'm really curious what will come out of these kind of projects. And I was wondering, what, what do you think when you hear big capital companies doing something like this? What do you think about that? <clears throat> I mean, it, it sounds great. Um, I usually don't believe that this happens out of uh, like altruism, right? <laughs> but uh, since we at Axel Springer, we do something very similar by helping people being successful with their ideas. Um, I think it's really, really cool to empower people, not only with throwing money at them, but actually taking them by the hand and uh, trying to make them successful because at the end, the investing company will also uh, gain from the success, right? So I think this might be an approach that in the future more investors will, will take over. Also, it feels like a rhetorical question at this point. 
what do you mean <laughs> the one he just asked what do you think about it actually it's a co very cool idea um yeah and being guided is um, probably very helpful when you're uh, still a student and you get the opportunity to work uh, like that with the vc company i think it's way bigger than just students it's True. it's really very open so if you have an idea and in, in for the tech world where you really believe in this is a chance to to get into a program that helps you making this idea a reality but where's the big difference to other incub incubators so I, i didn't quite get that so i mean they throw money at you yeah but um, many of them they also help you like with all these aspects like networks and so so where's mm -hmm. the big difference I, I think for them, it's like the first time they're really doing it. And they partner up with other incubators. They're doing this in Europe, in America, and in, well, South America as well. And oh, trying to get this network yet. bigger. I'm not sure if Access Spring is still a startup. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, th I think no, the but scale... We're, uh, having a VC, right? But, but they, they have let, one, me, yeah. let me invite them as of now as of here to start talking to us as well because we have people with great ideas as well yeah that's true but we don't I'm have sure one of them budget. is listening and we'll reach out <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in case you know you never know yeah but yeah. I really so, liked... so it's so it's halfway fan service for everybody out there listening to this there's a possibility <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, as a European citizen, I'm always happy to read lines like, right now 70 startups are finishing the program in Europe, right? Because usually um, this happens in Silicon Valley or somewhere in the US. Um, and actually seeing this uh, also happening in, in Europe, great thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely agree. I like I like that, that they do it regional and, and mix it up in, in different areas. And you they had over a thousand applications, way yeah. over a thousand And now they picked 17 out of them and try to help them. So f firm criteria, but it's a it's a chance. Yeah, and if you want to join, so for all the 2,000 people who are watching right now, um, I think the um, the date is July 22nd. So uh, there is still time left, like 10 days. Prep your pitch, Go for people. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one would be Vincent. Nice. Yeah, I think it's very obvious that I brought this. Elon Musk did exit the deal. And this article I brought is now about what's coming next. Uh, but I think um, because nobody knows that, I mean, nobody expected this to happen. Um, it, yeah, it's valuable to talk about what's coming next for Twitter and for Elon Musk. But I think it's even more interesting to talk about why this happened. Because the reason for that, I think I brought three tech reviews ago it's about Elon Musk uh, having concerns about the um, the amount of fake accounts on the platform on bot accounts um, which is so there are two roles here I think we need to mention number one is that Elon Musk definitely is right when pointing out that the number of fake accounts on Twitter definitely is higher than they state That's, I think we all can agree with that. Um, I think the number they mentioned at one point was 3% and then it went up a bit. But I mean, we all know Twitter. So let's say that is not the case. Um, the other role, of course, is that Elon Musk signed this agreement to buy Twitter. And even though the transaction did not happen technically yet, um, 
pulling out of the deal now because of something like that is very interesting. Um, especially when he had time now after the big, the big loud cloud around all this topic, he had time to look at their financials. Uh, I don't know how many, how much access he got actually on Twitter, uh, information. I don't think that they shared a lot with him since they were not really super keen of the whole situation. Um, but still I, I think he had enough time to reevaluate if Twitter actually is an attractive buy. And I'm not saying Twitter is not attractive to ha to own, um, but it's very interesting that Elon Musk decided to pull out of this. Uh, and yeah, that's um, what the article is about. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I read that actually uh, when he made the offer, so the um, official value uh, or estimated value was like, oh no, he offered like 42 billions uh, billion dollars, I think. Yes. And now the official value is like something about 30, 30 something or so, 32, 34 or so. And uh, I would agree. I could imagine that he's not willing any longer like to pay this amount of money for a company which is, uh, well, not that much worth of it. So, um, yeah, might be the reason. And, and then there's the second aspect that um, maybe he was just in the mood of well, buying another big company for this aspect that he said, yeah, I want to, to give it back to the free world and free 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 speech and so. And um, now he recognized that um, it's also a risk for all of, of, of his undertakings uh, and uh, of his position as such. So <laughs> maybe that's also one of the reasons why he wants to, to get back. Also, maybe one of the biggest big, sorry. No, I was just thinking that maybe, maybe he thought that would be a proper business um, opportunity. But then on the other hand, if there are so many bots in there or non-valid accounts, whatever you want to call it, then in the end, he doesn't have that many accounts to then make business with or offer then in the end uh, to whatever business model he intends to work on. And so um, if if the number three, I think in between the number eight came up, 8% 8 of, uh, of all the accounts might be bots. And then it kind of exploded because it's not going to be eight and it's not 3%. So it's going to be whatever random number. So how there do you calculate business on that? There were external calculations around 20. Yeah. So how do yeah. you calculate business on that, uh, a business case on that, if you have no idea and no one wants to disclose the number? Um uh, but I think also mentioning that, um, there can, um, did you read also uh, with regard to, to Twitter that they're come on, coming up with a new feature of unmentioning people? So maybe bringing down the number of, um, of bots or the interest into mentioning people and therefore engagement and therefore uh, bringing all of these uh, features down. That's just very recent, just stumbled upon it today, but I didn't dare to put it in here. No, I didn't see it. No? Okay. I just uh, saw um, this this um, paragraph here in the article that also sounds very interesting, where he was able to sell $8.5 billion of, uh, dollars of Tesla stock because his intent of buying Twitter and make his offer. And now that if he's backing out of this deal, he will have to pay a fee. But then he can keep the rest of the money that he took out of the Tesla stock, which he wouldn't have been able to do so if there were not the split on Twitter. So it might be that this whole in and out brings him a profit of $7.5 billion in cash. 
which uh, he wouldn't have had without the spit. So <laughs> even though I think there was like but $1 billion dollars break fee that he has to pay to Twitter. But apart from that, the rest of the $7.5 billion dollars would then be his. The, the financial aspect, I think, is something we cannot ignore um, or we shouldn't ignore too much because um, also the option or the question stands, what if they now renegotiate and he buys it at a lower price? So this also could be just a strategy um, for Twitter to lower the, bri the price drastically. And um, we discussed this, I think, in the last or in the either two or four weeks back that this would be straightforward market manipulation, but there sure. is no law for it. Um, so he could, like with his first, I think it was four weeks ago, or even maybe six weeks ago, that he came out and said, well, there are bots on the platform more than ICE, um, more than Twitter is stating. Um, this already brought the evalu evaluation of Twitter down quite a bit. I think it was round about the whole market manipulation of Mercedes yeah. um, that the Twitter lost at that time. And um, so who knows uh, what his goal plan is? I mean, if they now negotiate this um, and Twitter also doesn't want to lose their face, so they offer him a lower price, maybe uh, Twitter will still be in the end Elon Musk's, but for around about $10 billion dollars less, um, which, I mean, in this Pricing is not a lot compared to the whole company, but still is de facto. Uh, I don't know how many companies you could buy with that or invest. But you have to keep in mind that on the other side, it's quite a risky play, right? Because he risks reputation um, a lot. And reputation is worth a lot of money nowadays. Uh, always have been. And doing something like this in and out, back and forth, just to get the price down... In, in this scale and in this public, in the public eye, it's, it's, it's risky, I would say, even for maybe not for the Twitter transaction, but for everything he plans in the future, for everything he plans with investors and so on and so on. Yeah, but I mean, he is someone who enjoys doing risky things. And uh, what I love about is um, the whole story with Twitter began because people were saying he is doing market manipulation with Dogecoin and Tesla and everything by mentioning things via Twitter, right? And so people said, you're misusing Twitter for market manipulation. And his direct reaction was to manipulate the market by playing around with an offer to buy Twitter. So it's like, I'm taking a step back. I don't have to talk on Twitter. I simply have to talk about Twitter to manipulate the market in my favor. And uh, of course, he could damage his reputation. But as we saw in the past years with Donald Trump, for example, the hardcore fans of these highly influential people, they are not really easily scared away by weird things that their idols are doing. So I think, of course, uh, people are talking now about Elon Musk, but the Elon Musk fan base will not be scared away by these weird things that he's doing because he's always doing weird things. Yeah, but but and he has a very solid foundation. He will if he he now okay he fucks up his found uh, his uh, his reputation with the Twitter thing. That's okay. He still owns uh, Tesla partially. He owns partially SpaceX. Um, there will be more in the future. He owns right, and if he keeps true to this 
to his vibe, to the vibe he invests in, the kind of ways he he creates startups, right? He he doesn't care about reputation because his whole his whole image is not caring about reputation, but doing the better thing. And he will always tell his story wherever he goes, whatever conference he goes to, right? In Silicon Valley, you meet him. He will tell you, yeah, well, it was the right move because uh, I don't, I only invest in the better things, in the good things. And he will always tell a story, and it was help. It will actually help him um, to, you know, uh, to, to for his case. So uh, I don't think he has to lose any kind of reputation because you can always say, well. The bad company I tried to free from the bad capitalism <laughs> um, is was just too bad. So it's all a marketing gag, basically. Yes, <laughs> and he will make his own social network. I don't know, tube you. <laughs> Uh, who knows? Oh, yeah. The, uh, yes, of course. Because it all started when he said, I will uh, create my own social network. Then he said, I yes. don't have to because I buy Twitter. But now if he does not buy Twitter, this means going back to the original plan and simply creating his own social network. Right. What's the other there. one called? Truth. The truth from uh, Donald Trump by mm. Donald Trump. Yeah. No, this Maybe one is going truth. to be. Yeah, or he just renames it, and then it's the better company. <laughs> better Twitter. <laughs> better Twitter. More, more truth. Bigger <laughs> truth. <laughs> the truthest. Truthest. Yeah, the truther. The boring truth. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, it's going on. <laughs> That's nice. I, I second that. Okay. Hello next, there. Next. Welcome to this brainstorming <laughs> session. <laughs> okay, let's continue with Chris. All right. Um, so... This is exactly the article I brought. Artificial intelligence is uh, breaking patent law. So this actually refers to an article we had like four weeks ago or so, um, where we learned that technology alone will not pave the way into the metaverse, so to say. Um, so you might remember that... Um, we were talking about ownership and legal possession in the metaverse uh, and uh, that in the end we would have to rethink and redefine various aspects of life if we want to take them from the old world, from the legal world, so to say, into this new digitized metaverse-like world. And uh, here's another example for that. And this is um, referring to artificial intelligence, which is under current conditions breaking patent laws. And um, so what, what we see nowadays is that AI, AI actually is being used in numerous inventions, right? Like drug design and space technology and so on. And um, patent law is based on the assumption that inventors are human. And it really struggles with the idea that an inventor is a machine. And currently there's a discussion going on if um, AI-made inventions could really be patented at all. And... Just think about that. If not, then the applications, of course, could be huge, right? So if, if it would not be patented, then funders and businesses, of course, they, they could be less incentivized, like to pursue useful research. And uh, that means that society could miss out um, very important developments and also life-saving inventions and everything. And um, there is one specific legal problem here, which is being um, dealt with in this article, and this is the so-called inventive step, which is usually the basis for a patent. And this inventive step is defined um, or defines an invention um, when it is claimed as 
non-obvious and uh, non-obvious to a person who has like something uh, uh, of a level of, of average skill and, and general knowledge in this um, respective domain he's working in, right? So, and if we have an AI on the other side, then we cannot talk about um, this inventive step because uh, it is no, not non-obvious. An AI has more knowledge and more skills than all people in a specific field. This is what an AI more or less is uh, um, per se defined of. And um, then for an AI, this is almost, um, yeah, then, then almost everything seems to be obvious, right? And not as it is legally required, non-obvious. I mean, this might be um, look a little bit ridiculous, but it is um, the precondition for a uh, invention to, to be claimed as a patent. So, and um, this apparently seems not to be possible any longer. And for, from, from my point of view, this is um, another example where we see again, like in the in the other article where we were talking about possession, that again, it, there is needed a complete rethinking um, of how to take um, aspects from the old world, legal aspects from the old world into a new digitized world, metaverse-like world, um, similar to what we have discussed last time. So this is why I brought this, so to say, as a continuation um, of uh, the article we had like four weeks ago. Yeah, for me as a human being, I think uh, the solution should be very obvious by simply saying, okay, it should be uh, non-obvious for human beings, right? So uh, machines are able to invent stuff and create stuff and we can patent it or the owner of the machine can patent it um, if it's non-obvious for, for us stupid humans. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, yeah, you are totally right. The legal aspect will probably take a long, lot of time um, to um, to follow this. But it will be more and more necessary because I think the pace that we have with machine-based inventions or AI-based inventions, I think this will be uh, now more and more and uh, more companies will invest in uh, this capability of creating machine or AI-based inventions. Yeah, but this uh, is exactly the aspect of rethinking we were talking about last time hmm. when it was about possession from the real world, from the legal world into the metaverse world. And here we have a similar aspect yeah. um, from the legal world, from the real world into the world of digitization. And um, yeah, I'm with you. It should be like that. Right. So I'm, I also see that many companies are going this path of using AI. But this is exactly um, the problem which is being um open up here. So if legally it is not, um, so to say, um, a, a cool thing any longer to, to work with AI, then it might be that companies wouldn't use it. And then, as said, society would miss out um, very precious developments and inventions which might have been made when you use AI. But if there's no incentivization any longer, why, why would you do that? Yeah. And the other direction would be, as we as we discussed last time, I think, um, if the AI takes a lawyer and becomes legally a person because it is sentient, then maybe uh, the patent law can be such adjusted that it's not a machine but a AI-based person that claims the, the the patent or something like that. <laughs> but then it's getting really complicated. Sure. <laughs> 
but I'm wondering that that this is an issue and that the AI is not regarded as an ideation tool for the person who created the AI and that the patent is not bound to the person cr who created the AI. And if it's just the manager overseeing a team creating an AI, but that the AI itself is regarded as a tool instead of as an individual. Yeah, I think... Um, what about Lambda? If Lambda same, creates... I yeah, but then if you claim that it doesn't belong or claim that at this point you're at uh, on the tipping point of um, does it belong to someone? Is it self-aware and so on? I'm not saying I believe in it's self-aware at this point, but as soon as someone will put it out there, you run exactly into the topic, into this topic. I, I doubt it somehow because see how much problems we have with immigration and, and stuff like this and just giving people human rights um, that are actually true people and who are aware of themselves and have a body and breathing. Um, and now we're coming around with uh, zeros and ones calculating in a way that we think that they uh, are a true person. Um, I, I doubt that we are that quick as a society giving these, these programs um, real rights as an individual in, in any Europe. way. <laughs> Let me add uh, in Europe. I, I, yeah, but I think the same in other countries as well. They they will use it as a tool for power. Uh, exactly, and this is what makes money, and this is why it's interesting. But I think yes, but but it won't get more when when it comes down to like the human or the machine. I, I would doubt that these countries would then say, well, the machine has human rights, so you know. Yeah, from, from the pack, pack not human rights, but uh, why not rewrite patent law and make it, mm, let's say, bodily agnostical? Yeah, but that might, might be might seem easy from your perspective and my perspective. But everybody who like works every now and then together with lawyers knows that things are really complicated, for, at least from their perspective. And um, even easy thing, you go to a lawyer like with an easy contract, you think it's an easy contract, but then you sit there like for weeks and months until the whole thing is done. And I could imagine that um, something like the patent law, which has developed over hundreds of years and so on, um, that there really is like kind of an industry around that so that it's really difficult like to reform that and to rethink that. So, um, I think there indeed is the danger that AI will not be accepted as a um, instance which is allowed to to create patents. And then we have exactly the situation we were talking about. Then companies might not feel incentivized, then they might not use AI, and then they might not make all the needed uh, inventions and leave that to China. <laughs> That's what I wanted to China, say. China, China, China. China! <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, I just want to say I read and uh, I, I saw in the article that they actually have this reference that in Germany um, a court accepted um, putting the name of a human being as an owner um, in, as, as a compromise. And I think that this is probably going to um, stay for a long time, that the AI which is used is used as a tool and then the inventor would be the owner of the ai and i could imagine that this might be like a permanent workaround that we will take uh, for for a very long time next up is me let's talk about meta <laughs> we didn't have uh meta news for quite a long time right 
Um, but I was waiting for this headline for a long time. I think on the last or the last year or this year on the uh, Facebook uh, developer conference, they announced that they would work on this um, universal translation system, uh, which is supposed to be part of the metaverse because they want to bring the whole world together in, in the metaverse, right? And so they started working on this un universal translation tool, which is one model that is supposed to uh, translate, I think, what do they say, 200 different languages in all directions. And it's an R&D project, so um, it is still in, in the works, but the, the headline is that they started now making this uh, open source And this is for us as open source community, of course, very, very interesting um, to see that it's not like a, a secret proprietary technology, but that, that they are actually want to have this, uh, this system in place to support their platforms and the metaverse and everything all around this. Um, and so they really open it up and they say that um, this, this meta model, it's already like a single system translating into 40,000 different directions. So having 200 languages and then translate in all directions. Um, and this is very, very interesting to see. And the rest of this um, article um, tells us about what the, the problems of how to judge if this translation actually works. Because we already know translation models from English to German, for example, or from German to French, or from French to Spanish, or something like that, these mainstream languages that everybody kind of speaks. Um, but this new system is supposed to connect the countries, or let's say the languages, the cultures, who are not present in these mainstream languages. So a lot of African languages, a lot of Indian languages that are usually only um, spoken in small communities and not really um, in big places. And so they created this system called Bleu, <laughs> Bleu, which stands for Bilingual Evaluation Understudy. And this one is, uh, let's say, their benchmark that they create for all these languages and all these translations to see if the system is uh, mature enough to actually being used. And so they calculate a score and say, see that um, with these um, non-standard languages, um, it works well or not so, so well. Um, and I'm really looking forward to see what we as a developer community will now do with this open source project. And um, if this is like a huge success and soon we will have this, let's say, Star Trek inspired universal translator, which is actually capable of understanding all the languages from all over the place. And so no matter where you are, you can simply use it uh, to translate perfectly from one language into the other. Um, or if this is at the end like a failed attempt because languages might be very, very uh, complex and especially these non-standard languages with low amount of training data might be a real challenge. Um, and they, they also say this is one of the uh, central things that they say that they have um, these languages where they already ha almost have no resources about them um, and creating then um, part of this model to actually support them I have no idea how this is supposed to work. Yeah, um, yeah, but let's see. Hopefully, Meta learns from this and um, adds more open APIs to their software. I mean, uh, Chris, uh, you always say that Meta, as a creator of the Metaverse, will not be a sustainable, uh, or the Metaverse will something will be. Oh no, it's not you saying that. I have a friend saying that. I'm sorry. He. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no. He also works at Axel Springer, and Chris knows him for sure. Uh, we sat at the table together uh, at the tech dinner, and they were also working on update. And he always says that meta, the metaverse, will be something that nobody will be using uh, because it will be so like the whole idea of this universe may be connected to other universes but still owned by meta is not what the metaverse will be and because it's so to web 2.0 kind of way thought anyways what i wanted to say is that i hope because this is a fear that people have um that this experience now helps uh, meta to open up more apis for open developers to work at and work with so that um, maybe also other products can benefit from this. I mean, some benefit. Some of them doesn't make don't make a lot of sense. But thinking more about Web 3.0, uh, it makes a lot more a lot of sense to well uh, work together on these things. So I hope that really encourages them. At encourages least them. it's incentivizing people to join the metaverse because they can, uh, without effort, hopefully then communicate to others from other cultures. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think this is. Yeah, exactly. right. Exactly. Which already exists, but I don't know how good it is. I, I had that in in my hand already, one of those devices, but I, I didn't really use it. But that's, of course, um, the the motivation of Meta, um, making the their products universally usable uh, for everyone without um, any constraints. But as a side product, having an open source model being capable of translating everything into anything is simply like a utopian thought uh, in terms of future technology. And so independent from everything that, that uh, we throw at Mark Zuckerberg as uh, bad intentions and uh, like profit thinking, having this open source universal translation system actually working will be amazing and so yeah. i'm very curious to see if it actually works and also do you think he's gonna sell it do you think he's gonna sell it um even though it's open source eventually in parts to siri alexa and so on he won't be able um if, if it's open source then um he i mean i i don't know the exact license um on under which it is open sourced but usually it's it's out there and people can use it freely and so he won't nah, be able it's, it's to... going to be the it's going to be the android approach where they offer something to use for open for everybody but as soon as it's commercially used it's going to cost a lot of money also yeah. the learnings that go into it and the training of the model the further training of the model is going to be probably something because if if siri alexa and the others um can benefit from it because it's so like transcendent uh, in terms of language that could be interesting as well okay well that's a party grown i mean we do need for those in between silent pauses we need music or something because i feel like it's getting boring then i think just china 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 would china, be great. china china china, like, china. that would china. Do. I, I would just press the button whenever i need to do a transition yeah but you're right i i can create like a macro for a transition I don't know what yet. Well, this is President Barack Obama. Welcome to... <laughs> We can take this one. <laughs> Alex, you are up. Oh, no. Uh, no, I'm not up. I was fighting with, uh, with Vincent over that one, and he claimed it because he was first. Uh, I just thought it might be something interesting because I stumbled upon it within his Instagram account today. 
So, <laughs> <Nice>. Vincent, <laughs> what is that? Why are we talking? No, about no, 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 no. We're up together. So I think you definitely need to do the introduction, and then I can share my uh, very clear negative opinion about this app. <laughs> okay. So I was surfing today uh, during work time. Um, or in my lunch break um, <laughs> on Instagram and had a look into uh, Vincent's story and it was like, send me anonymously stuff and there's a button and there was a button like pulsating, um, actually forcing me into the call to action to, to write him. And I was like, okay, so there is your anonymous message. What the fuck is that? What the fudge is that? Um, and then I stumbled upon this article and I was like, oh, Vincent, what is that? Um, so have I been scammed by NGL now? Um, do they have all of my data, my face, my, my payment? What do they have? That's the introduction. Go ahead. Uh, NGL uh, actually is something that we see quite regularly i would say uh, it's a platform where you can ask people anonymously questions and get answers and we know it from ask fm we know it from telonym i think um, we know it from yodel we now know it from well ngl and ngl has the same issues as all of these other platforms there are too many out there and therefore they try to boost engagement um, and NGL actually is something that only works in cooperation or it not only works in cooperation with that, but if you open the app, it's crazy because they really like straight forward tell you, um, hey, we're working with Instagram, not cooperating, but like our product is designed so you can use it on Instagram. And basically what it is, is just a URL you copy into your link and um, into your link feature and then you can click on it and then you can type stuff and ask anonymously stuff and then there is a freemium version where you can see who asked that yada 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 that's the whole thing anyways um what the article is about though is that it's very interesting because it claims well it has the same problems as all the other apps uh because engagement is too low from time to time right and they try to grow they try to earn more money at 2.4 million in revenue great um obviously great but they raised a lot of money as a startup so they obviously have to you know make money back and what they do is that they use the large user base they have to drive engagement and that they do by and that's a claim nobody can no claim it's not officially validated uh, by using bots to comment on stuff it's very interesting uh, i got a few questions uh back uh, most of that however feels like a real because people already reached out to me privately and were like, hey, did you get hacked? <laughs> I, I asked you a question. No, but a TechCrunch actually, um, I think in a very similar article, or maybe that one actually, um, they actually tested it themselves, low, uh, shared a link to NGL in their story and then deleted it right away and still got a few questions back. And you can actually test this out yourself. Well, the whole, uh, the whole uh, point of the article is that just like all the other apps, they also have to face the same claims. They're using bots to drive engagement because it's anonymous. So you can't check out if it's a bot or is it Tarek writing me or Alex? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you can't. Same. And that's very interesting to see. Also same with the, um, what is it called? Um, when you give the stars then to the app. So Tarek, if you scroll down, you will see that they have a screenshot in there. Uh, where people claim that the app is very good, but it seems like 
everyone is writing very good. <laughs> so kind of obvious that it might be China. Uh, no, wait, uh, bots. China, 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 China. China. <laughs> no, good. actually, it's India. Actually when you being. scroll up, it's really fancy in India. True. Yeah. India, yeah. India, 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 India. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering when I was. Uh, did you actually get my 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 WTF question or what that was all about? Because people are also I, claiming they never receive anything. I did not receive a WTF. You I did received receive a few other like what the fuck is that? And well, then I deleted the app. <laughs> okay. Also, interestingly enough, they asked for app tracking in the beginning when you when you open the app, uh, app the first time. They asked for app tracking, uh, microphone, camera, for all that stuff. It, mm -hmm. it feels really very, very much illegal to open that app. Yeah. Well, anyways, 15 million downloads, uh, top of the app store in a lot of countries, and obviously fake. Um, well, very interesting to see. The question is, how many bots downloaded it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, maybe Elon Musk knows. <laughs> yeah, it's created. I heard by bots. Twenty percent, right? I feel like it's all just one big conspiracy at this point. <laughs> But it is then already conscious when it's from bots, by bots, for bots. Is, is this not? <laughs> Has it been patented yet? It's, there is, there is it's owned by that. bots. You, you call it the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a TikTok creator uh, making a video about this. Really cool. Yeah, fun with something. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, Vincent, what you experienced when you installed it, all this, uh, all this uh, allowances you had to give is their way to push you out softly. Not just to kick you out, but to give, put so, so much stuff in, in your side that you leave it so that, that the bots are alone again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, this is President Barack Obama. Welcome to Tech Review. Welcome. Next one is from. <laughs> this is not my transition. We have we have to work on that. <laughs> But for now, it's a nice transition. Next one is Dan. Yes. Um, Don't give them the rights. That, that again is, is something I thought is, is super super inter interesting, and I had to check out the word in English before I came here. It's quantum quantum entanglement, and it's. An effect where you can link two elements to each other and they can ex exchange information in real time faster than the speed of light. It's the only thing we know it's faster than the speed of light. And one of the institutes in Germany, German University, made it possible and created a small network with this. And if this would work and scale, that would mean we can create networks which are faster than light unhackable because they're connected uniquely well unhackable huh? but hard to hack because um, they're connected via link and once linked they exchange information and if you're not linked to the network directly uh, it's impossible to get inside of it at least at the moment um, and you can link in multiple networks together uh, in a way we can't do it now And that's super, super interesting that they got into this and um, that could really change the internet in scale if it works in scale. It, it's, it's very, very impressive. Yeah, I guess it will be as uh, complex as working with a quantum computer. Um, <laughs> and if we are able to manage that, then yeah, probably this, this will be no, not a problem. But this is uh, like 
theoretically, right? This is um, in terms of... It's the, they did it the first time and it worked. So they exchange information via quantum entanglement. Okay, but information in terms of like a like one ping, like like yeah. one signal. Yeah. Not like but, but real data. Yes, true. It's it start. It's we we at the very beginning of it. Mm. But if it works in scale, it's the end of latency <laughs> because it's faster than light, and it doesn't matter where on the planet. Actually, it doesn't matter where in the universe you are, um, because it it just in in an instant sends information between these two elements and um yeah it, that that's pretty big imagine like playing without a ping <laughs> just kidding <laughs> yeah i see epic games uh building their quantum computers so that uh you can play fortnite without For latency <laughs> exactly <laughs> even on your mobile devices <laughs> <laughs> on your mobile quantum device. <laughs> so Not what bad. would be yeah. quicker than the mixed reality uh, real world metaverse or the quantum computer network? <laughs> I, 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 the thing is, if, if you know, like they spent billions on getting a faster um, cable from the stock market in New York to the stock market in Frankfurt, just because they had some millisecond shaped off of latency because it means X millions more of, of transactions. Oh, I saw um, that movie. Yeah, if, if we're talking now about no latency, I think the pressure on this technology is, is, is quite big. Yeah, especially, um, so. if you think, especially if you think that or if you say that they are actually um, like having a transmission which is uh, quicker than the speed of light. So then... Uh, in fact, actually, they are going back in time, and that could be very useful for the for the stock market, I guess. <laughs> True. <laughs> or it's the fastest it's blockchain ever. <laughs> Your favorite topic, as I heard. Someone told me. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well, kill well, the buzzer. Thank you. Welcome to Tech Review. Welcome, brothers. Next one. <laughs> I Vincent. feel like this wasn't just for for the sake of filling the gap. It feels like more a qualitative uh, shout out to to make me shut up at this well, this point. is President Barack Obama. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. The article you just opened is the one that Alex and I brought together, and therefore um, yeah, we can skip. Thank you. Oh, it's so the same. Ah, okay, but this shouldn't be. There better. will be the next Obama now. Yeah, you've been hacked, Tarek. Interesting. It doesn't work properly. Yeah, it should not be possible to have this uh, mm -hmm. two times. Told you. Well, yeah, this is President Barack Obama. That's the new way to shut me up, right? Okay, next one is Chris. Yeah, nonetheless, uh, my article actually fits quite well with uh, Alex's uh, article. Um, and this is It's Alive! How belief in AI sentience is becoming a problem. So, um, we have all heard uh, about this Google tester, um, Black Lemoyne. As far as I got it, you already had that topic last uh, last time in the tech review, of course. And um, nonetheless, what I want, uh, why I brought this article is that uh, the ph phenomenon as such seems not to be new, right? And uh, it even seems that there are really many, many customers uh, out there who really feel the same way, right? And they take the possibility for real that this chatbot thing um, has a consciousness on its own and is talking to them as a person. So um, this article I brought here is um, about an AI chatbot company, Replica, it's called. 
and uh, they offer yeah customer chatbots but <clears throat> and they also say that um, there's always a handful of people every day um, who sends messages to them and uh, say that they believe that their online chatbot really is sentient and um, so I don't want to talk about the fact as such, and this is not what the article uh, is, is uh, talking about. It's really about the the effects it has on the customers and the company who's working with these chatbots, right? So, I mean, the strange thing about the whole thing is that even in the, in the company, uh, sometimes there are people who say, okay, we get answers from the chatbots where we cannot identify where that is coming from and how the model actually has learned that. And on the other hand, of course, we are talking about AI, we are talking about black boxes, we are talking about forward backward propagation. Nobody can see into this black box and sometimes, yeah, things like that come up. However, um, if like, and, and now we're coming to the, to the interesting point, I thought, or I think that if a customer thinks that the check points are really sentient, then that creates some some real world problems for the company. So the first and also for the people, the first thing is that the people um, who think so um, might be looking, uh, so to say, for some kind of companionship. I don't know if, if you have seen this uh, this movie, Her, it was called, where uh, a guy actually was falling in love with uh, with a chatbot. And, and it reminded me a little bit of that. And they also refer in the article to that to that uh, movie. And um, of course, there is the danger that somebody who is actually like falling into some kind of companionship relationship with his chatbot, that uh, he might get into some kind of, well, strange, yeah, strange kind of relation as such, right? And um, <laughs> so that might not be healthy. And the second thing, of course, is that um, when users really believe that they are not just talking to a machine, but to a to another sentient uh, entity um, and there are even cases where the uh, the entity tells them that they are suppressed by the company and everything a little bit like um, like this report from 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 Blake uh, Lemoyne um, then they might have the idea and and um, and the motivation actually to to fraternize with a chatbot against the company right and as you can imagine this is exactly the opposite uh, a company would wish for from a service chatbot right that the that the customers actually uh, fraternize with their chatbot and oppose against the company so this is something i think which is really very um <laughs> um against and uh, opposite of everything they they would like to have that could be very a, entertaining when it comes to teams with us <laughs> yeah maybe we should should buy a chatbot uh, as uh, as a participant in our tech review here he could fraternize it could fraternize then with uh, everyone in sequence well no. like maybe you can write one Maybe we already have oh yeah, let, let's ask Tarek to write software for Microsoft. <laughs> but I think psychologically, this is really a very, very interesting thing. So from my point of view, it shows actually two aspects, right? So on the one hand, the algorithms, uh, algorithm, algorithms, um, and uh, the AI uh, uh, systems seem to be really good, right? That they really convince people that there is a sentient entity, a person more or less behind behind that talking to to the customers right so this is they would go for the Turing test easily and um, so yeah I mean if we take that as 
the level of um, of, of consciousness and of sentience, the Turing test, then they would actually um, conquer that, conquer that, and go for that. And um, yeah, then one might actually should take them as really more or less intelligent persons and uh, sentient persons. Of course, apparently they are not, but it seems that, as said, the algorithms are very cool and very good, that they can convince all the people. And on the other hand, there's, of course, people um, have to be in the in the mood and in the psychological position and situation that they want to be con convinced also a bit, like, especially after the pandemic, as said, like looking for companionship. So um, in total, it does not really seem to be a very healthy situation, the whole thing, right? So um might be interesting to see what what's coming out of that. To, to, to me, um, oh, with, the, with the danger of going very uh, philosophical again, I think... Uh, I think this um, th this topic of is a machine sentient or not could be also in the eye of the beholder, right? When we talk about the matrix, for example, and when we always say everything that we observe as a reality is only the interpretation of, of um, in information by my eyes and my ears and perceiving someone as a living entity could be kind of the same if i'm sitting in uh i don't know in a lab in antarctica and all i have is a video chat with uh like my best friend or my wife and maybe five different chatbots with maybe even real life avatars and they have their own personality and i'm sitting at lunch and having lunch with an ai and have like very lively conversation and after six months i come home and i can't tell how many real people and how many AI entities I had as friends and they are my friends they have personality and if I cannot distinguish between a human being and an AI presence because it's not like blood and flesh that I can touch um, in my mind in my reality these are real people and maybe I, I only have contact with machines because uh, they're all AI and so from my perspective they are sentient beings and yeah. um, I, I'm not wondering that um, we now have this discussion that people are not able to to distinguish between an AI and a hu hum real human being because that is the purpose of these chatbots. We are training them to behave like humans and to talk like humans and sounding scared and making typos and everything that a human being is doing because this is their purpose. And we shouldn't be um, surprised that they do what we are training them to do fooling people yeah. that they are actually not machines <laughs> and i would say you even put your finger on a very deep philosophical question so this is the question what is reality anyway as you say it's a very um individual thing so um everybody's living in their bubbles anyway so there's news of any kind everybody picks what they like everybody has their bubble so in the end it's uh, partly real news if you want to call it like that it's partly fake news and then there is your reality and maybe it's exactly like you say then chatbot can be part of that reality and there's also another possibility maybe it is sentient uh, i mean um, <laughs> there is i mean there is the the uh, theory that um what, what, or the question, how does consciousness um, occur anyway, right? And the, there's this theory saying that consciousness occurs if the underlying network or system has reached a certain level of complexity, right? So this um, point of no return. And uh, maybe this 
AI system, this, this uh, network of forward and backward propagation, in the end has reached this level of complexity. And maybe it is sentient. I mean, who are we to tell that it's not the case? And um, probably it will be difficult to, to prove um, the opposite. So um, if, if you take that as a possibility and integrate that into your bubble, then of course that can be part of your re reality. So I'm totally with you. Um, it's, it's a whole uh, very psychological thing anyways. And um, I, in the end, we wouldn't ex we shouldn't exclude anything. Then I think. But, but it is, does it really matter? Does it really matter if you it's are, sentient or not? Muted? I, no. I, oh, there. I, I shouldn't. I think I'm very delayed. Uh, it's I don't, I don't think that it matters at all if it's sentient or not, um, because what you see is it's an involvement of a human need, and that's a need for a relationship. Uh, if you saw, I think it's Stranded with Tom Hanks, where he talked to a football, uh, probably not sentient, but still an expression of relationship. And I think this is basically the same. Volleyball. If you're in the Antarctic and talking, yeah, volleyball, I'm sorry, Wilson, well, uh, if you're sitting in Antarctic with, with your friends and family, if you zoom out, you see a human being talking to a slab of metal and glass and trying to have relationship over long distance and hoping that at the end there's real human being and and this hope is is building everything up so if if the system is sentient or not that's not the the important point it's basically the expression of wanting to have a relationship a meaningful relationship with someone um and it shows that our technology kind of um provides you a good second best in it's such a little, chatbot it's a little bit like the question if we are living in a real reality or just um in a simulation right so in the end it doesn't make any difference to you because it's your surrounding it's your environment uh, you live in whatever that is call it reality call it uh, simulation call it matrix um so this is your personal uh, living space and um, yeah that's all you have so for you it's real uh, absolutely Alex absolutely. did you want to say something no I just I, I'm no do, do the China thing <laughs> Be, because as of now we do everyone lives already even having a discussion and me decoding something completely different than uh, maybe uh, Vincent does from this discussion uh, is already a different reality at this point. <laughs> you know, like in between coding, maybe, maybe encoding one last and decoding. Maybe one last thought to that. I think it was not always like that, right? So when we had less technology, so the world was more unique. So there was one world, people were living in there, of course. Also, like everybody has their, their way of... And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. And then, then we can uh, discuss on that. But it was like everybody had their, their, their reception and maybe there was little differences. But in the end, it was more or less the same world. But nowadays, with all this technology, with uh, virtual chatbots, with uh, fake news, with uh, bubbles which you can create on your own, you can create your own reality. And this is getting... Um, much more complex so everybody has their own complex reality and this is totally different to what we had like a hundred years ago or so and um, so if, if we take that train of thought a little bit further one could say that technology in the end is also um, pushing us away so to say from 
yeah, the community from the uniqueness of um, a world reception, but everybody creates a world on their own. Alex. I just wanted to say that I disagree that it was uh, it was different in the past. I think it was exactly the same minus the te technology part because reading books and reading different things into books is basically the same thing as you were describing with building your own bubble or two people in one relationship, one is saying love, the other one is decoding love in a different way is also already a different kind of bubble. So um, the story sure. is as old as people are and as people and and technology is just something new bringing to the table um another pace another in uh, uh bringing the the light speed into the whole thing if you want like that so taking uh the article that dan brought in and making it even faster but the story is as old as people are uh taking Absolutely. yeah so To totally agree, but it's a question of complexity and complexity is rising with the speed of light to stay in that picture. And this is um, what uh, drives people away from each other. It's a little bit like the expansion of the universe. This is also expanding with the speed of light. And uh, so are we. We are like galaxies in an expanding universe. That was so poetical. We should close up on that one. Well, this is President Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Barack. <laughs> so I think uh, we are out of time so I will take uh, my last article and move it to the next session I think it's uh, like a timeless masterpiece that I will bring then simply next time so thank you all very much for your contributions and every time that we go into these very philosophical discussions I feel um, like I'm, I'm always torn because philosophy is so far away from technology and in the tech review i'm always thinking like ah should we discuss this but it's always so so interesting and important for our work right so maybe uh, having something like a philosophy review <laughs> where we can talk all day about uh, these philosoph philosophical topics uh, or otherwise we have to time box ourselves because i'm, I'm always trying Uh, falling to this trap as well and then i have another thought and another thought and I, i i want to bring this in but then we we can't talk about anything else anymore okay but for now thank you very much it is as always a delight to discuss with you and i'm looking forward to the next time uh see you see you there have a beautiful tuesday evening bye 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 bye, bye, -bye. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode and for that, we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode. 